You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Welcome to the Hog Beat Hour. Mason Choate, Andrew Hutchinson, and Alex Trader with you from HogBeat.com. Today, we are going to be talking about some Arkansas football, basketball, and baseball. Football, Traylon Burks drafted. We'll talk about the rest of the, the guys that got drafted and the undrafted free agents. We're going to talk some basketball recruiting, and then we'll talk baseball later on on the episode. But let's start off with Traylon Burks. First-round draft pick, number 18 overall to the Tennessee Titans. Um, I'd like to give my opinion on it, but Hutch, I'll let you go first because we always – I lead it off and then I go into you. So go, Hutch. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing. It was one of the biggest prize storylines of the NFL draft just because A.J. Brown is is gone. And uh, they're basically bringing in Traylon Burks to, to be the guy there in Tennessee. And uh, that's some pretty big shoes to fill. Uh, and I, I definitely – uh, I think Burks is capable of doing it, but it's unfortunate because I know a lot of uh, kind of the reaction from, from Tennessee fans was like, well, this sucks. Like, you know, we didn't want to lose AJ uh, and they don't even really like look at Burks as to what he could do. Um, so it, it <clears throat> a little bit unfortunate from that perspective, but I think it's a good fit. I think he's going to get an opportunity to uh, be a big time contributor right away for a team that's, you know, been one of the better teams in, in their division for the last couple of years. So uh, I think it's a solid fit and uh, anxious to see what he can do as a rookie. Yeah, so you look at Tennessee and they are a run first team. Derrick Henry, of course, the running back. And even last season when Henry was hurt for a little bit there, they were still run first. They, I mean, they had a Deontay Foreman. They were just running the ball with him. They had a couple other guys, but you look at them now, and you said A.J. Brown's gone. They did get Robert Woods from the Rams in the offseason. He's coming off a torn ACL, I believe. So there's still another – Robert Woods is a really good NFL wide receiver. So it's not like Traylon Burks is all they have. But A.J. Brown, as you mentioned, very good wide receiver. So, yeah, they're going to be a little upset about that. But Ryan Tannehill, he's a good quarterback getting older. They did pick up Malik Willis. So you look at it maybe Burks and Willis can form a relationship. And if Willis eventually takes over, that could be a really good, really good duo there in Tennessee. But um, I think that it's a good situation for him. He's probably, I, I mentioned Robert Woods, but Burks is probably going to be wide receiver one um, from day one. So that's going to be good. I'm excited to pick him up in my fantasy league. Alex, what do you think about Traylon Burks of the Titans? I think it's a good fit, like y'all said. Um, interestingly enough, the Burke's biggest draft comparison from, from Daniel Jeremiah was A.J. Brown. So you're not really going to have to switch up the style of offense. You're running too much to get him involved. You've kind of already got the same situation in place. It's a matter of Burke's going out there and performing. And I think, you know, uh, there, there's not really too much of a quarterback controversy to worry about right now. Um, but, but Tannehill's recent comments about it not really being his job to mentor or Malik Willis could cause some rift there. I think Burks is, is a good pickup for the Titans to kind of to kind of guide them through that and make sure that they have the weapons they need, or at least are starting to gather the weapons they need alongside Derrick Henry um, to continue on trying to build for that playoff push. They, they, they took a little step back this year after losing to the Bengals, but it, it's a good situation. You have a good coach in Mike Vrabel, and you have a franchise that, that's been – you know, over the last couple of years, pretty consistently solid. Um, I, I don't – there were probably some better situations Burks could have gone to, like Packers maybe with Aaron Rodgers. But nonetheless, I, I think you're walking into about as good of a situation as you can ask for, um, given the, that the draft is kind of a random, you're stuck wherever you end up situation. Yeah, uh, and also, I mean, the Titans, I believe – I might be wrong, but I believe they were the number one seed in the AFC in the playoffs last year. So – He's going to a, a team that wins ball games, and I think that's good for Traylon Burks. Plus, for the Razorback fans out there, it's Tennessee, Nashville, pretty close to home comparatively. I mean, like if he goes to Green Bay, that's not a, that's not an easy drive to make. Um, I was hoping Kansas City, uh, of course, because of my my Chiefs fandom, but also that's an easier drive. Go watch Traylon Burks, but Nashville's not bad. Nashville is a, a drive that's doable. So. Um, let's talk about the rest of the guys that got drafted. So it was, uh, John Ridgeway. He got drafted by the Cowboys. That was, that's always interesting when a Razorback gets drafted by the Cowboys. And then, 
uh, Monteric Brown to the Jaguars. Just reactions on that, Hutch? Well, I mean, you mentioned it's always interesting when that happens that a, a range back is drafted by the Cowboys. The only other time it's happened was Felix Jones back in 2008, which is pretty wild to think about just considering the, the connections with Jerry Jones and, and all that. And, uh, but it, I think it's solid. It sounds like the Cowboys people really like, you know, having him uh, on board and they, they like the fit. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. I, I think he'll make the roster and be a guy that plays some uh, this year. Monteric Brown going in the seventh round. I kind of figured he'd be a seventh round pick. I kind of thought that that would, he would be the third and final guy. Um, and so it is Jacksonville though. So uh, I, I, I guess having gone through the Chad Morris era, will maybe prepare him for what he's going to experience in Jacksonville. Uh, but hopefully he can, you know, find a way to, to make the team and uh, you'll contribute, whether it be special teams or, or whatever. So uh, good, always good to see three guys get drafted. It's, and it's the most they've had in like the last three years. I think they only had one last year, two the year before that. So uh, kind of an upward, upward trajectory there like you like to see. And then as far as undrafted free agents, you saw Myron Cunningham go to the, uh, the Texans, Grant Morgan joining Monteric Brown in Jacksonville with the Jaguars, and then Ty Clary uh, signed with the Dolphins. And then a, a interesting, Trey Wade got an invite from the Cardinals and then also, uh, I saw this morning, I don't know if this is confirmed or not, but I saw that Davion Warren got an invite from the Titans to minicamp. Um, was there one more that I'm missing? But I, I think that's all, Hutch, right? I think that's all of the, the Razorbacks that ended their career with Razorbacks. I know Cole Kelly, I think, got signed by Washington as an undrafted free agent. I kind of thought Cole Kelly was going to get drafted. I mean, he, people may not know this, but he went down to the FCS level at Southeastern Louisiana back in his home state, and he tore it up down there. I mean, he, was, he literally won the, the FCS Heisman Trophy, essentially, uh, and, then I fin- and then finished runner-up the next year, like this past season. So uh, always, always good to see that happen. And, of course, um, a guy you probably don't wish as much success on, uh, Mike Woods, uh, did get drafted. I cannot remember who he got drafted by, but I know he got picked. The Browns. Well, you know. Yeah. That's Mike Woods. <laughs> it, I mean, the Browns, it's a good situation for Mike Woods because as far as wide receiver goes, they got rid of uh, Odell Beckham. Jarvis Landry hasn't really done much at all. And I don't think they drafted anybody high. And then they've just got a bunch of guys who were – I mean, they got Peoples-Jones – so I, I think that would be a good situation for Mike Woods. But as you mentioned, I don't know how many Razorback fans really care if it's a good situation for Mike Woods. But um, it's OK. So I think we can all agree that we think Traylon Burks just best situation. He's going to be set up for success early on more than any hog that got drafted or signed as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, just because there is that hole that A.J. Brown left. And I think – and also it's a winning team. Like, I think we talked about it last week. I just didn't want him to go somewhere like Jacksonville or the New York Jets or some just to one of those garbage franchises that are just constantly losing. Uh, I wanted him to go to a team that, that he could win, uh, be put in a position for success with the good quarterback. I mean, obviously we can – debate the merits of, of the quarterback situation there, but uh, it is a guy that is kind of the proven starter. So uh, I, I think it's a good situation. And, and I think Ridgeway's situation is really good too, but I think that, I mean, there's no comparison being a first round pick being asked to be the guy in, in Tennessee, like, like Burks is. Alex, were you, so you kind of looked into the receivers a lot. I feel like that was something that you kept up with throughout most of the year. Were you, was where Traylon Burks was drafted. Was that about what you expected as far as like all the guys that were on the board? Yeah. Hearing all the love for Drake London. Um, I had Burks as my third receiver, but hearing the love for Drake uh, for Drake London kind of made me think he was probably going to be either the him or Olave would be three and four uh, respectively. And, and they kind of shook out that way. He did go a little earlier than I thought he was going to, because there was that run on receivers where you had, uh, I know Wilson and Olave were back-to-back picks. London was eight, and Burks not not too long thereafter. Um, I was expecting him to be later in the first round, but I do think you know he went in that fourth spot, which is about 
what I was expecting. Uh, and he went a little earlier because of that AJ Brown trade. You weren't, you didn't go into the draft looking at Tennessee as having a, a wide receiver first round need. And, and with Brown being gone, that did open that up. So I think um, as far as, as the draft progressed, that did shake out the way that I think most people expected. Well, we keep saying with Brown being gone, but it's they traded Brown right before they took Burks. So I, I think the Titans had this idea of if Burks is there or whoever was, but it ended up being Burks, we're going to trade Brown and replace him with somebody that we can pay less. We don't have to sign him to a, a max extension contract. And he's going to be it's going to be service as serviceable as Brown. I'm not going to say that Traylon Burks is AJ Brown yet, but um, I think Traylon Burks has the potential to be a guy like AJ Brown in Tennessee. So, um, but okay, that's enough NFL draft. Let's talk about Arkansas getting a commitment from a defensive lineman. Hutch, it happened as you were driving to Baumwalker Stadium. So, it, no surprise there. Basically, anything, anytime that you're busy, Arkansas gets a commitment. So, tell us what you know about this guy. Yeah, Terry Hampton, he's a transfer from Arkansas State. Uh, originally from El Dorado, uh, so he's an in-state kid. Uh, I think he was like a low three-star recruit coming out of high school, uh, chose to stay home, play for the Red Wolves, uh, was a pretty productive player uh, there at Arkansas State, had some, had some good solid grades from Pro Football Focus, which whenever we're talking defensive tackles, which is the position he plays, uh, it's, it's hard to just look at just sheer stats and be like, okay, that guy was good or not uh sometimes pro football focus kind of paints a better picture and uh, he, he graded out really solidly uh again that's at the sunbelt level uh to a completely different level from from Arcan uh, the sec uh he is only six foot tall uh, so that's somewhat of a concern you know you don't really see a ton of guys of that size have success as defensive tackles uh there are some exceptions to the rule uh, but he, he's a he's an in-state kid, and hey, I'm sure being at El Dorado, he would have loved to have come to Arkansas out of high school, just didn't have that opportunity. And now, uh, I think he's going to be a super senior. He he did miss I think half of last year with a, an injury, a season-ending injury. Uh, but up to that point, he was playing really well, played really well last year, and now hey, he's getting a crack at at playing for the Razorbacks, and it addresses a major position of need for Arkansas because. I mean, Sam Pittman himself said he wanted to get a couple of defensive linemen from the transfer portal, and I think he basically meant defensive tackles. Uh, they did add Landon Jackson and uh, Jordan Dominic as defensive ends out of the portal already. They needed some defensive tackles. They went through spring ball with four defensive tackles, and that was you know Isaiah Nichols, uh, Armand or Armand Watts. Good lord, uh, Torian Carter. Uh, Marcus Miller and Cam Ball, uh, they they all were basically the defensive tackles throughout spring ball, and it really made it hard to go to four-man fronts because you only had four defensive tackles. You couldn't do three full units, and they didn't really have anybody coming in as signees as defensive tackles, so you needed to go add some out of the portal, uh, and it sounds like they, they have done that at least one with, uh, with Terry Hampton from Arkansas State. Yeah, that's so you kind of hit on it there. And I was going to ask Alex, I feel like this is something that we've talked about a lot. And I, I feel like most people have, but it's a position of need that Arkansas had to address and they did. But you look at this guy, he's, he's six foot 293. That's what he's listed as. Um, it provides you with depth, but do you see him being a real difference maker this next season? I think anyone you can get there uh, ha has to be given that opportunity. I mean, you can't consistently run a three-man front and be able to stop the run the way that you're going to want to all the time. Um, and, and that does make it difficult. It makes you a little bit one-dimensional on the defensive side of the ball. Um, recruiting the defensive tackle position is tough because like Hutch said, you need these guys to be, you know, massive dudes and you don't necessarily always have time to wait on it. Um, so I think the portal is helping that a lot and it's putting, uh, putting Sam Pittman in a better position this season because you don't necessarily have those guys waiting in the wings. Um, but I, I like how said it, you're bringing in a, a home hometown kid who probably grew up wanting to be a Razorback and, and now he has that opportunity. That does mean a little bit more to you um, if, if you're coming in and, and kind of living out a dream versus, you know, bringing in someone from from out in California that, that maybe doesn't understand uh, what it means to be a Razorback. 
All right. Well, we got to hit a break, but after the break, we'll talk a little bit more football. And then uh, we got some basketball recruiting we got to talk about. Hutch, you're going to talk with an Auburn expert um, to give some insight on the Tigers this weekend. And then we'll talk some Razorback baseball later on here on the Hogbeat Hour. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. All right, we are back here on the Hogbeat Hour. Don't forget, you can go subscribe to hogbeat.com for the best coverage in Arkansas athletics. Go listen to things on the Hogbeat YouTube, watch the press conferences, listen to the Hogbeat Hour on the Hogbeat YouTube, the Diamond Hogs podcast. Hutch, you had a Know the Foe. It's the first time in a long time you've done the Know the Foe, and we'll have that on this podcast. And, uh, but go subscribe to hogbeat.com. Got the student deal going still, eleven ninety five a year for students. If you email Hutch at andrewhutchinson413 at gmail.com, it's a, it's a great deal, and uh, it is worth it, I promise you. Okay, um, so a D-line, a D-line recruit who's already committed to Georgia Tech is visiting Arkansas Hutch. Is that, is that correct? That's correct. Uh, Morris Joseph is his name. Uh, he's been at Memphis the last few years. Uh, really productive uh, time at Memphis, but again, that's a different level than the SEC, uh, although the American Athletic Conference is probably a step above the Sun Belt uh, compared to you know, where Terry Hampton has come from. But uh, he's, he's apparently visiting. I heard this uh, yesterday, or I guess on Wednesday, that he was already on campus visiting uh, this, I guess, isn't that uncommon. It's to me, it strikes me as weird that a guy would be a transfer committed elsewhere and already and still taking visits. Uh, but apparently, that's what's happening. We know it happened with Jordan Dominic, Arkansas's defensive end commit uh, transfer from, ironically enough, Georgia Tech. I think he went and visited UCF despite being committed to Arkansas, and it didn't change anything. He's still coming to Arkansas. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this guy, again, Arkansas wants two of them. They've already got one in Hampton. Uh, they need to get one more. And this guy would seemingly fit the bill. He is listed at 275 pounds. So he's not quite as big. I think he's a little bit taller than Hampton. Uh, but you, you can't argue with the production that he had. He graded out like in the seventies on pro football focus, uh, this year, they grade out like an 80 last year on pro football focus. So, uh, you, it, it's a guy you would take if you can get him. Okay. Um, Alex, we're going to go to you now. So Arkansas made the top five um, for a bunch of very good recruits. And so uh, I want to ask you to kind of go through these guys and maybe a confidence uh, level in some of them. I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to put you on the spot and, a, and ask you to, make it look like you're an expert in something you're not, but maybe if there's some guys that you have some confidence there, maybe, you know, some inside information, don't, don't share all of it, but say, well, I, I might feel a little bit good about this guy. Yeah. Um, I, as far as inside information goes, it, it's really just what I've been able to report over at Hogbeat. But um, as of right now, maybe the biggest name Arkansas was after on the offensive line, uh, Connor Stroh. Um, released his top five Friday and, and it was uh, Arkansas, Auburn, Florida, Texas, and Texas A&M. And it, it feels right now that um, the, the two Texas schools are leading. Arkansas was in early on his recruitment, but Texas was the first to, uh, to offer. Um, he's been to Arkansas a couple of times. I've gotten to talk to him a couple of times, but his parents both went to Texas A&M. His aunt and uncle both went to Texas A&M. And then he also has, has really developed a good relationship with Texas's offensive line coach. Um, it really makes it difficult if you're Sam Pittman to get in there, but he is going to take his officials um, and those are scheduled. Arkansas ended up with the, the, I guess, either third visit or third to last official visit um, uh, behind Texas and Texas A&M. So there may be a little bit of catching up there to do, but um, you know, it, if you have a coat, an off or a head coach that you're looking to, to pull an offensive line recruit, um, I, I wouldn't feel too confident in, in many more people than Sam Pittman, um, just because he does he know he knows what offensive linemen want, um, and he's able to provide that. Uh, 
uh, as well as Stroh. They landed in the top eight for, for another top offensive tackle and Logan Reichert um, had a couple of running backs. Uh, these weren't necessarily just last week, but but Cedric Baxter, Javon Simpkins, and um, Dante Dowdle all have mentioned Arkansas as potential suitors for them as they wind down their recruitment. Um, a trio of 2023 running backs, very, very talented. And, and you know, after bringing in a guy like Rashad Dubinian last uh, last class, you'd love to have any of the, any of those three guys coming in. Um, and then there was a, a big-time corner in Braxton Myers uh, who, who – has some pretty big time offers. I would be surprised um, if he was a, an Arkansas lean or if he was going to come to Arkansas, but you know, that's what the visits are for. And that's hopefully what uh, Dominique Bowman's able going to be able to portray to him is that Arkansas is the place. All right. Well, good stuff, Alex. Let's transition over to some basketball recruiting real quick. Um, it is a slow season for basketball, but we have heard that there might be a recruit uh, from Wichita State, a uh, potential transfer on campus. Hutch, what do you know about that? And I think the big question is, how is it going to work for Arkansas bringing in a new transfer? We know Jalen Williams got a combine invite, so you can hit on that as well. And uh, just kind of if Arkansas was to get another transfer, how would it work? Yeah, so the transfer you're mentioning is uh, his name is Ricky Council. Uh, Ricky Council the fourth, I believe. Uh, he is from Wichita State, uh, same school as, as Trey Wade uh, came from. Uh, he's uh, one of the top kind of available transfers in the portal right now. Uh, he was the American Athletic Conference sixth man of the year this past year, uh, averaged like 12 points, five rebounds. So a solid player uh, overall for, uh, for Wichita State. And again, it's the American Athletic Conference. It's a, it's a quality basketball conference, just as it is football. Uh, so they, they would definitely take him, I feel like, if he chose Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas is definitely one of the, the major players there. But if they do that, to me, that signals like, okay, for sure Jalen Williams is gone, um, which you hate to say that because selfishly, just because he's such a good player, so fun to watch, and he would help Arkansas. Uh, but from a sheer numbers standpoint, it's, that's how it is. I mean, as it stands right now, even without counsel, you're at 14 scholarships if you include Jalen Williams. If he chose to come back, you'd have to get rid of somebody, whether that be Jackson Robinson, Kamani Johnson, Devo Davis, you know, one of the three guys that are, are returning, or potentially one of the transfers you're bringing in or one of these, these freshmen you're bringing in. Uh, if, if Jay, and if you bring in this transfer, that means, well, Jalen's gone, but you still have someone you got to get rid of. So does Jackson Robinson transfer? Does Kamani Johnson transfer? Uh, Devo Davis is a possibility, but you, you uh, to me, you really want to keep Devo Davis because he's kind of like the, the veteran on the team that's been here. He'd be, he'll be a junior in his third year. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, maybe it's one of the transfers, you know, that happens from time to time. I mean, I, I think back to Desi Sills uh, last or the, I guess the previous off season was going to go to Auburn signed with Auburn. And then the next thing, you know, he's at Arkansas state. Uh, so that that happens. Uh, I don't hope it happens to any of them, but uh, it is something to keep a tra keep an eye on because it does sound uh, I'm hearing positive things regarding council. That's not necessarily say it's a done deal, uh, but it, it does sound like it's a very strong possibility. All right. And uh, it's, it's, as long as we're on the topic of basketball, we kind of hit on it in the last segment, but Trey Wade to the Arizona Cardinals. What do we think about that? Is that is that going to work out? Is he now going to be a Hall of Fame tight end in the NFL? I'm not quite ready to call him uh, Antonio Gates just yet. Uh, he is uh, certainly a physical specimen and very athletic. I think we saw that on the basketball court. Uh, but I think I heard he hadn't played football since like ninth grade. Uh, so pretty crazy that you can leave a sport in the ninth grade and then all of a sudden get done with college and get a tryout with the NFL. That's pretty wild. So, and I think Eric Musselman will tell you, he, uh, he hits hard uh, as his uh, rotator cuff would, would uh, indicate. Alex, do you have any opinion on that? I don't, I don't really know how to feel about it because as Hutch mentioned, he hasn't played football since ninth grade. So I haven't seen him on the field, but as you, I mean, he's a, he's a big dude. He could probably, if he catches a pass, he's going to be hard to take down. What do you think, Alex? Yeah, you know, growing up, uh, Peyton Manning was my favorite athlete. Um, and his 2013 Denver season 
probably doesn't go down the same way uh, it did without Julius Thomas, who notably by the broadcast 10 times a game, every single game did play basketball in college and, and didn't play football. So I think, you know, you're in for one of those situations where it, it's either going to work or it's not. Um, I'm not expecting, like Hutch said, for him to be Antonio Gates and for him to be a Hall of Famer. Um, but when you play basketball and you are that size, you do have certain kind of tangible aspects to you that that do help you play tight end. Um, so if he can catch and get the plays down and, and be physical and block, then sure, there's a chance this could work. I'm not banking on it like you said, but um, I, I don't see why this wouldn't be worth a shot for an NFL team to check out. All right. Well, up next on the Hogbeat Hour, Andrew Hutchinson is going to uh, do his Know the Foe segment. And then after that, we will uh, we'll talk baseball ourselves, kind of look at Arkansas's postseason. Hutch, you had a really interesting article about Arkansas in the postseason, so we'll talk about that a little bit and get you set for the Auburn series this weekend. You're listening to the Hog Beat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. Welcome back to another edition of Hog Beat's Know the Foe series. It's been a while, but uh, with the SEC West race heating up, I figured it was a good time to, to get back into it. Uh, I'm Andrew Hutchinson, the managing editor of HogBeat.com, the Arkansas site in the Rivals Network. And I'm excited to be joined today by one of my colleagues at Rivals, Brian Matthews, who is the senior editor over at AuburnSports.com. Brian, appreciate you taking the time to talk to us ahead of this week's uh, big series. Uh, how are you? I'm doing great, Andrew. Great to talk a little college baseball. One of my favorite times of the year. Uh, I've been covering Auburn and college baseball for over 20 years now. So uh, looking forward to another great matchup this weekend. Now, before we, before we look ahead to that series, I want to kind of look back at the season Auburn has had. Um, what, what kind of were the expectations both uh, within the program and kind of among the fan base going into the season? And is it safe to say that they have uh, exceeded those expectations? Yeah, I think they've overachieved this year. Uh, I know they're picked near the bottom uh, in the preseason poll in the SEC. Um, I, I think fans expected it to be a, a you know an average type of year. I don't think there's a whole lot of excitement in the preseason about the team. There's just a lot of questions uh, lost so many players off of last year's team but they have definitely overachieved they've won a bunch of really close games uh, they have played some good teams really really well and then they've done a great job of taking care of business during the uh, midweek games which has really helped their rpi i think when i checked two days ago the rpi was up to three uh, so that that puts them in really good position when it comes to trying to host a regional which they haven't done in quite a while so uh, it's been a really good season for auburn and they definitely uh, exceeded the all expectations so far now this weekend, uh, this past weekend, you know they they lost the series, but it was it was against Tennessee, which yeah. no shame in that. But they did they did take a game, uh, which is more than some most teams can say, and uh, they were right there in the other two. Uh, kind of what's the what's the mood around the program after dropping a series like that? Yeah, you know they were up four two on Friday night, and then Tennessee scored fifteen runs the last two innings. They lost seventeen to four, I think that's what it was, and then uh, Sunday's game was 3-3 going to the eighth, and then Tennessee hit a two-run home run there to win it. So, yes, very competitive series. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, Tennessee's coach, who's had some run-ins uh, before, um, took exception to the bat flip. I guess it was Saturday, uh, Auburn's walk-off. Well, not walk-off, but winning a home run. There were three-run home run in the, I think it was the eighth, um, eighth or ninth. And um, he, he tossed the bat, bat back toward Auburn's dugout and toward all the players out there celebrating. So that almost... Uh, uh, kicked off a, a little brawl there, uh, which would have been interesting. But um, I, I would say Auburn's going to come into the series with a lot of confidence, right? They feel like they can play with anybody and compete. Um, they do have some injuries that have affected this team. That happened Friday night against uh, Tennessee. Uh, they lost Hayden Mullins, their Friday night starter. Uh, don't have official word yet, but we think it's going to be for the season, uh, most likely Tommy John. And then Blake Burkhalter, who leads the SEC in saves, he tweaked his hamstring. I think he's going to be okay to pitch this weekend, but we have not got confirmation on that either. So that's one just to keep an eye on. Gotcha. And of course, Arkansas fans are very well aware of Tony Vitello uh, as a former assistant here. Yes. And uh, the run-in, they had a run-in with Dave Van Horn last year. So uh, that's yeah, just they're not their, buddies anymore, are they? Yeah, they're, they're, that's kind of their style over there in Knoxville. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Uh, but back, back, back to Auburn, you know, the Tigers are, are led by arguably the, the Golden Spikes front runner, in my opinion, and uh, Sonny Deshara. 
Uh, he's putting up just incredible numbers right now, hitting 436, 13 home runs, 40 RBIs. Uh, he's drawn lots of walks and not striking out very much. He was a good player at Sanford. Um, yes. But this is the SEC, and he's putting up even better numbers here. Did this come out of nowhere, or what, what can you kind of tell us about his, his evolution there at Auburn? Well, he did put up the big numbers at Sanford, but you didn't know how that would adjust to the SEC. You're right. But, um, and if you look at him, he's just a big old boy. You know, he's 100% Italian, right? Uh, in fact, if any Arkansas fans come down, you'll hear his walk-up song. I don't know the name of it, but it's like the Italian wedding song. And it just gets the whole crowd just really fired up. And um, he has really, really quick hands. So it's just hard to get one by him, uh, especially when he's dialed in. Uh, the one issue with him lately is teams are just, you know, pitching around him or intentionally walking him a lot. And he's usually pretty patient, although he has struck out a little bit more lately. Uh, Auburn's been working to try to get somebody, you know, behind him in the order that's a little bit more dangerous. And, um, you know, they may have found that guy and Bobby who hit that three-run home run, uh, you know, against uh, Tennessee Saturday to win it. Uh, but um, he is a special player, uh, hits power, hits a lot of balls for doubles, normally is center field to a left field type hitter, but can go the, you know, oppo at times. Now, I mean, it seems like Auburn has a, a pretty solid lineup overall. Um, yeah. Kind of what, what's their style and, and who are some other guys, you know, aside from Deshara that, that Arkansas fans should be aware of? Blake Rambush is a high quality leadoff guy. He's a guy that, you know, when Auburn plays leadoff guys like him, you hate to see it because he, First of all, he's going to get in there and make that, that pitcher work for it. And second of all, he just finds ways to get on base. And when he gets on base, he's one of those guys that is, he takes a lot of attention away from the pitcher and what he's trying to do to the hitter. Um, so he's just one of those guys. I think he's reached base going back to his last year of junior college. It's, it's some crazy stat like 58 of 60 times or something like that. So he, he is a guy who gets on base. He's also got some popping in a home run or, or uh, uh, drive it into the gaps pretty well. Uh, so he's a guy that uh, you're going to want to keep an eye on top of the order. And then Auburn has got a bunch of guys just through the order that um, a little bit of pop here and there, but they're pretty competitive. They do a good job of, of getting um, pitches into starters and getting their bullpens and having success against bullpen pitchers. That's been uh, their MO a lot of times. If they can keep it close, get in, into the late innings, uh, they've usually got a good chance to win. And uh, they've got a bunch of clutch guys down in the order. You know, Bobby Moore is a senior. Uh, his dad played at Auburn, Brandon Moore. He's a, Brody's a great defensive shortstop and uh, come up with some big clutch hits. I would say this team plays very good defensively. One of the better defensive teams I've seen at Auburn. I think they're second or third in fielding percentage, at least I were last time I checked. And then, um, you know, pitching-wise, they don't have that number one lockdown starter, the guy that's going to be a flamethrower and, you know, hit the big slider, you know, that a lot of guys have in the SEC. Uh, but their best pitcher, Joseph Gonzalez, who they had been using on Sunday, is a guy who just has a sinker uh, that once he gets that going, uh, teams just roll through that order really fast. And before you know it, it's two hours and you're in the eighth inning. He's, he's one of those type of pitchers. And he almost did that to Tennessee. He gave up three runs in the first, held them without any, really without a hit, I think, or, or maybe a couple of hits through the next uh, six innings and then gave up that bomb there in the eighth. And speaking of that rotation, I mean, you mentioned the injury to Mullins. You don't expect him to pitch this weekend. What, how do you, if, if he's not available, how do they shuffle up the rotation? And who, who do you think Arkansas will see as the, the starters this weekend? They got some options. My guess is it's going to be Mason Barnett, who has served as their uh, midweek pitcher for most of the season. He started in the SEC a lot last year. Very inconsistent. Has probably the best stuff on Auburn staff, but maybe doesn't have that um, – uh, lockdown tough mentality, right? Uh, he's, a, he's a guy that in the past, he's gotten better, obviously, but in the past, when he's gotten in trouble, it's, it's, it tends to get amplified. Um, he has a tough time, you know, uh, fighting through that. So, uh, but the first time through the order, he can be really, really good. Uh, so we'll see if he gets the uh, opportunity and if he does, and if he's on, you know, he could do some good things for Auburn. But that's been sort of like Auburn this year. They've had guys step up. Uh, when guys have been down, they've had guys overachieve from what you expect. So maybe Mason Barnett is, is a guy who could do that now. And also, I want to get your quick thoughts on maybe the bullpen. Uh, you mentioned the, the closers dealing with a little bit of uh, an injury. Uh, who, are some, who are some of the key arms that come out of the bullpen? And you know, Arkansas fans, their, their biggest concern is, are there any lefties that can come in and give Arkansas problems? Because that's, that's something Arkansas has struggled with this year. 
Well, Auburn doesn't have a bunch of lefties, but they got a really good one, Carson Skipper. He's been used as a setup guy. And if you go back to uh, Auburn's sweep over, um, who was it two weeks ago? Uh, I can't remember. But uh, Carson Skipper and Blake Burkhalter pitched in all three games. Skipper set up Burkhalter. Burkhalter got three saves. So they will use him. Uh, he's a guy that can go, you know, for a short outing or, or maybe give you two or three innings if you need him to. Um, he's not uh, perfect, not a not blow guys away type, but when he's on, he can be really good and durable. Um, they've got a couple other guys, Tommy Sheehan, a um, transfer from Notre Dame, who they thought might come in and be a Friday night type starter. He's had a taken a while to get started. He's another option possibly to start in, in uh, Mullen's place, but uh, he's a guy now that's been lately coming in and giving Auburn one or two innings of relief. Uh, I think he did that against. Um, Tennessee for an inning, if I'm not mistaken, and did okay there. So he's another lefty to watch out for. But Auburn's bullpen has been really, really thin. Um, I would say that Skipper and Burkhalter probably have been a little overworked this season, and they've been trying to develop some other guys uh, behind them. So um, we'll see how that, that keeps on going. They've got three or four other guys they've been working in there trying to get to step up, and uh, we'll see if those guys can take another step forward this weekend. And I know whenever we think about, you know, the top SEC environments, uh, you don't necessarily always think about Auburn baseball, but I'm curious kind of what the excitement level is and kind of what you expect from the atmosphere uh, for a really big time series this weekend down there in Auburn. I, I don't think, you know, Jordan-Hare is a great atmosphere, right? And uh, mm -hmm. Auburn Arena has become maybe the best atmosphere in the SEC or one of the best. I don't want to make anybody mad or anything, but uh, it just hasn't happened at Plainsman Park yet. Uh, the one thing that is happening is they're starting to fill up the park, right? Um, about a month ago, they had the largest um, uh, attendance for a midweek game. And they've been, you know, filling it up on weekend games, although finals are this week. So students are going to be moving out here soon. So we'll see how that affects the attendance. But I, I would never call Plans of Park a really tough place to play. It's a beautiful park, you know, it's an enjoyable place to go. But I, I don't I don't consider it really a tough place for opponents. You know, the, the toughest thing about Plains of Park is just playing Auburn, I guess, right now. And uh, you're, you're welcome to make a prediction here if you want. You don't have to. But I'm curious, kind of just lastly, how, how are you feeling about this series? Kind of how, how do you think this series is going to play out? I haven't really thought about it. I, I would not be surprised to see Arkansas take two or three. But then again, this is an Auburn team, right? Because on paper, Arkansas is a better team, right? And, and they should win two out of three, even if it's on the road. But this is an Auburn team that so, some ways, somehow keeps finding ways to uh, to come up with wins. I, I would expect a very competitive series and for m most of the three games to be decided late, late inning. So uh, that's the thing I expect. I probably pick Arkansas take two or three, but would not be surprised at all to see Auburn win the series, probably coming down to Sunday. Well, that's all I got for you, Brian. Again, thanks for, for taking some time to, to talk to us and give us some insight on the Tigers, a, a very surprising team in the SEC. I know I'm really looking forward to, to watching what should be a great series. As a reminder to everyone listening, the series starts at 7 o'clock Friday uh, with 4.30 and 1 o'clock starts on Saturday and Sunday. Games 1 and 3 are on the Plus, SEC Plus, if you want to stream it. But Game 2 is actually on the SEC Network. And as always, you can get complete coverage of the Diamond Hogs and all other sports over at hogbeat.com. You're listening to the Hogbeat Hour with Andrew Hutchinson, Alex Trader, and Mason Choate on ESPN Arkansas on HitThatLine.com. Now, here's your host, Mason Choate. All right, we're back here on the Hogbeat Hour. Andrew Hutchinson and Mason Choate with you. Good stuff from Brian Matthews. Uh, very thankful that he joined us from AuburnSports.com. And uh, now we're going to talk about Arkansas-Auburn, but before we do, uh, I want to mention if you want some more Razorback baseball content, you don't get enough on the Hogbeat Hour, you don't get enough at hogbeat.com, go listen to the Diamond Hawks podcast. That is, uh, that is with myself and Robert Stewart. Um, this week's episode, we had Kendall Diggs and Coach Kevin Bohannon on. And so uh, it's a great listen, good stuff from both of them. And then we talk about the Hogs ourselves as well. Hutch, Arkansas loses to Missouri State on Tuesday, had two hits going in to the ninth inning on the whole evening, and one of those was a home run from Dylan Leach. So um, it, I, I think Robert and I both agreed that it's not really much to be concerned about that Arkansas lost to Missouri State. I'm curious what you think. Um, are, are you concerned, or is it just one of those things where it's like it's a midweek, Missouri State had been good against Power 5 teams, and they just wanted it more? How do you feel? 
I think the fact that they lost, just the loss itself, is not necessarily concerning because a midweek loss happens every now and then. I mean, if Arkansas had won that game, it would have been the first year since, I believe, 2005 that they made it through an entire season without a midweek loss. So that kind of tells you the, the midweek losses happen. I think the fact that it happened the way it did is what's concerning because it's one thing if you go out there and, and your pitching just implodes because – you're not going to throw Connor Nolan or, you know, Hagan Smith out there, or even like Brady Tiger. You're not going to use your dudes. And so that's, that's one thing that the other team hits, especially a team like Missouri state. That's very offensive. Got a really good lineup. The fact that Arkansas couldn't put up anything offensively against a bad pitching team is something I think worth, you know, being concerned about in my opinion, because that's something we've seen several times. I mean, just last week against UCA, they couldn't score. I mean, they scored two runs in 10 innings, and the, the walk-off run came on a wild pitch. Uh, so that kind of shows you that, that the offensive struggles have been there uh, before. I mean, Arkansas has played uh, 22 straight midweek innings without back-to-back hits. That should not happen when you're playing teams like UCA and Missouri State that are team ERAs over five. You should be hitting these teams just like you were hitting, you know, Grambling and UAPB earlier. Obviously, these teams are better than those, but maybe instead of scoring 20 runs, you should be scoring, you know, I don't know, six, seven, eight runs against these teams. I don't think that's crazy to think. Uh, so that that was that aspect of it was concerning, and I think it's very valid when Arkansas fans bring that up that that it, they're they're a little bit worried because. The offense has yet to live up to the expectations, and here we are with three weeks left, and you're starting to wonder, like, is this just the team that it is, or, or can are they capable of getting hot? I think they are, but as every game passes, I'm like, man, when, when's it going to happen? Yeah, <clears throat> as I mentioned, we talked to Kendall Diggs on the Diamond Hogs podcast, and he said that he still doesn't think this team has hit their full potential yet. He, he thinks that they have another level in them. And when that's going to come, I don't know. Um, This week against Auburn would be ideal because that's the biggest series of the season so far. But um, that is that's to be seen. But as far as this Missouri State game goes, I want to ask one more question because I don't want to I don't want to stay on a midweek for super long. But actually, two questions. I'm sorry. Um, First question. Are you, you, you're going to feel different about it if Arkansas doesn't go and score three runs in the bottom of the ninth. If they go three up, three down in the bottom of the ninth, then you're like, oh, my goodness, this was terrible, right? Well, I mean, you also got to look at the fact that Missouri State scored three in the top of the ninth, and that was against, you know, your pitchers that you're probably not going to see very much, you know, on the weekends. I think they threw Nick Griffin out there, who's still coming back from Tommy John, uh, some guys like that. Because, I mean, the guys that you – think could be contributors in critical situations you know will mcintyre uh cole ramage zebulon vermilion those guys and and zach morris those guys had only given up three runs against a very good offensive team and so to me that that aspect really the fact that arkansas scored three runs in the bottom that i make it you know closer uh i don't think it, it made it just kind of what the game felt like the entire night, which was a close, tight game in which Arkansas couldn't get the big hit. Uh, so I, I don't necessarily think the fact that they scored three in the bottom of the ninth really changed my perception of the game that much just because Missouri State did that in the top half of the inning. Well, I was just saying from, like, the the perspective of Arkansas had two hits going into the bottom of the ninth. If they go three up, three down, they end the game with two hits, one of them being a home run from Leach, and you're thinking – this is just terrible. Whereas in the bottom of the night, they did put together some hits. They scored some more runs and you left the game feeling, well, at least they made it interesting. At least they were able to get some hits there in the bottom of the night. But I'm also curious why I know it's a midweek, but I, I don't know. It's I, I, I feel weird about Toll and Griffin coming in in the top of the ninth and giving up those runs when it was a winnable game, but also they were down it's just it was just a weird situation and they lost the game. That's just how I feel. Yeah. I mean, you're not gonna use Brady Tiger. You're not gonna use Evan Taylor in those situations. I mean, I think I think Evan Taylor maybe did pitch last week against UCA, but 
I mean, he pitched multiple times this weekend. I think maybe in all three games. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, but you're, you're not going to use your dudes. And, I mean, if you get to the ninth inning, you've given up three runs. Your offense has scored one, two hits, as you mentioned. I mean, I, I, I was okay with it because those are also still guys that you think maybe could potentially still help you at some point. You know, Heston Toll showed flashes last year and had been pitching better of late uh, this year. So uh, I didn't necessarily hate it. And I think Nick Griffin, I mean, Dave Van Hoare mentioned it at the Swatters Club earlier this week as well. Like, this is a guy they think can be really, really good for them. He's still just, you know, 15, 16 months removed from Tommy John and as we've seen with, you know, Cody Scroggins comes to mind, like his first year back from Tommy John, he was not particularly very good. And then he was much better the next year. Um, so it, 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 it's one of those things where they're, they're trying to, you know, this was their last chance, last non-conference game to get those guys out there in a, you know, quote unquote, meaningless game. And so I, I don't necessarily hate the decision. Okay, so looking forward now, Arkansas plays Auburn, which um, is is lining up to be a big series as far as postseason um, projections go. You kind of wrote a story about it. Basically, Arkansas really needs to win this series, and I, I think going into the year, and based, really up until this week, it never felt like this Auburn series was going to mean a whole lot, but now it's the most meaningful series of the season if Auburn wins, they're first in the SEC West, and then Arkansas is sitting there, and they they don't have a tiebreaker against AM or Auburn. And so I, I think it's tough. What do you think about this series? And, I mean, you kind of wrote a story about it over at hogbeat.com. Go check it out. Um, but this is going to be big towards Arkansas's postseason. Yeah, and, I mean, Auburn would have to sweep this weekend in order to overtake, you know, first place. Uh, if they just win two out of three, Arkansas would still have a one-game lead. But, as you mentioned, they would not have the tiebreaker with Auburn or A&M, and that would be – that's that's critical um, because it, it, it could end up being a tie – you know, I think back to 2018 and 2019 when Arkansas, you know, won the West. Well, they technically shared the title both years, and I think one year they – they had won the series against the team they had shared it with, and the other year they didn't. Uh, so it's it's going to come down to the very end. Um, so it is a critical series, just also from the RPI standpoint. You know, we could talk about if the RPI is a good metric or not, but historically speaking, it is a very good indicator on where teams end up as seeding wise. I mean, uh, I think over the last four years, only one team outside of the top ten RPI was given a top eight national seed. And Arkansas currently is at 29. They've got a lot of work to do. Luckily, Auburn, I think they're number four in the RPI. So if you can win that series on the road, that's going to be a really nice RPI boost. Vanderbilt, even though they've struggled, is still a top 15 RPI team. Uh, you win that series, that's going to be a nice RPI boost. And even Alabama, you know, they're, they're not great. Uh, their RPI is, is a lot lower. But it's on the road and another opportunity, and then you got the SEC tournament. So you've got some opportunities. It's just a matter of can you take advantage of them. Uh, and I think this Auburn series is, is huge. I think if you win the West, even if Arkansas's RPI is like you know still only around 15 or so, I still I would be a I'd be dumbfounded if they don't give them a top eight national seed just because of the SEC West's reputation. Uh, it's uh, it's almost like and plus Arkansas's reputation and you always expect oh well it's Kentucky they're going to get a a boost from the NCAA tournament or oh it's Alabama so of course they're going to get the benefit of the doubt from the college football playoff committee you might get a little bit of benefit from that whenever it comes to the the baseball tournament because Arkansas has been so good recently even if the RPI isn't there like it usually is so uh, definitely something to keep an eye on is that RPI ranking how it moves over these last three weeks because honestly if they don't take care of business they may find themselves not even hosting a regional which is just crazy to think about but after looking at the numbers last night or yesterday it's very much a possibility yeah that would uh that would be crazy if arkansas doesn't host a regional and i i think i've been saying all week that if auburn wins two out of three they then have first place in the West. So if you heard me say that, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Um, but uh, so 
I, I just want to talk a little bit. Um, we only have a few minutes here, but I, I want to talk a little bit about this lineup and just like what uh, Dave Van Horn has said it. They haven't really had five or six guys in a game or on a weekend just have a good game or weekend. And I, I feel like you look at it, 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 Robert Moore, where's Robert Moore at? I mean, he, he was hitting 225 going into his last at bat against Missouri State. Uh, and then he lines it into left and gets a hit, but he's he's only hitting 230 on the year. What do you think that's attributed to? It's hard to say. I mean, he's he's had some bad luck. I mean, I think he had a line out to the first baseman against Missouri State. He's had a couple of uh, – I, I know there was one against Ole Miss last weekend where he absolutely crushed the ball, but the wind was blowing in 20 miles an hour and it didn't go out. So he's had some bad luck, so he probably shouldn't be hitting 230. But also, he's probably a guy that should, you know, maybe be hitting 280 uh, just based on talent. Because look, look at his history. He's, he's struggled against SEC pitching. And that's just – that's, I think, with all of last year and most of this year, you know, on his resume, I think that's just the facts. He's a tremendous defensive second baseman. He has made some just incredible defensive plays. But offensively, he's got a lot of pop, a lot of power. Uh, but he's not necessarily a guy that's going to hit for a high average. I think that's just kind of the facts of it. Uh, he's still drawing a lot of walks. He's not striking out a ton. Uh, so he's, he's got, he's still a good player. Uh, we just haven't really seen him one get some good luck. And also he's just, I still think he's a high average kind of guy. All right. Well, Hutch, we don't have a lot more time here, so we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. But this weekend, the Hogs and Auburn, big series. Um, as we mentioned, a lot on the line. Don't don't get it twisted. If Auburn has to sweep Arkansas to have first place in the SEC West. So if you heard me, I was wrong. I'm stupid. I'm sorry. But uh, Friday, 7 o'clock, SEC Network Plus. Saturday, it's going to be on SEC Network, national television, 4.30. And then Sunday at 1 o'clock, Hogs and Auburn. Uh, big series. Hutch, you got a prediction real quick? I am leaning toward maybe Arkansas breaking out and having a really big, big series win this weekend because they, they really need it. So uh, I'm going to lean that, but it would not shock me if they lose the series. So two out of three or sweep or what? Two out uh, uh, a road sweep against a really good team, I would be shocked. Okay. Well, there you go. There's Andrew Hutchinson's prediction, and it is guaranteed. So um, go check out the Hogs this weekend, and thank you for listening to the Hog Beat Hour.